She made us be nervous this morning, okay? She's been saying it all morning. Her little Bible verse, 1 John 4, 19. We love him because he first loved us. And uh, my wife just started teaching her that this week. It's amazing the retention of a little child. And uh, they can learn the Word of God. They can know the Word of God. If you join me this morning, Luke in chapter 22. Luke in chapter 22. You know, Jesus uh, was definitely what we would call a dynamic and a different type of leader. Uh, Jesus didn't do things like the scribes and Pharisees did. He switched things up a little bit. And I love um, his style of ministry, the way in which he served. And uh, here at church, we want to have a heart to follow the Lord. And uh, we want to have a heart to follow after the way in which he led uh, in his ministry. The Bible tells us in Luke, in chapter 22, if you notice in verse 27, Jesus asks them this question. For whether is greater, he that sitteth at meat... Or he that serveth, is not he that sitteth at meat? But I am among you as he that serveth. Now this verse, you look at it and you say, what does this all mean? Jesus is painting a picture for us. If you look back in verse 25... He says, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and they that exercise authority upon them are called benefactors. So he describes the kings that are in charge and the people that serve the kings. But then he says in verse 26, but ye shall not be so. But he that is greatest among you, let him be as the, what does he say? Younger. Younger. And he that is chief, as he that doth, what does he say? Serve. Whether it's greater, he that sitteth at meat, or he that serveth, is not he that sitteth at meat. So Jesus is saying the greater person is the one who is being served. You see a king sitting down to eat. The people serving the king, they're just his employees. They're responsible to put food on the table. They're not running the government. They're not in charge of things. But Jesus says, I'm like the servant serving the king. He is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who is in charge, the one who created all things. Colossians 1.18 says he created all things, and yet he came as a servant. I love this phrase, the last part of verse 27. But I am among you as he, Jesus says, that serveth. Let's, let's bow together for prayer. Father, take this time, take your word, and commit it to our hearts. Help us to be like Jesus. I am among you as he that doth serve. And Lord, I pray that every one of us, every man, woman, boy, child in the room, would commit themselves to serve the Lord with gladness, to come before his presence with singing, to know ye that the Lord, he is God, it is he that hath made us and not we ourselves, that we might have an attitude like the Master, and Lord, that we might serve in that by love we'd serve one another. We'd see the grace of God, the power of God manifested in this place, in this community, to the 7,000 plus residents that live within 30 minutes of this building, that we would see the gospel light go forth into this community by us being like Jesus. I am among you as he 
that doth serve. Help us, Lord, impound that truth, imprint that truth upon our hearts today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. When I read this text, I am among you, Jesus says, as he that serveth. It is such a simple truth, but such a difficult truth to live out. If it was easy to live it out, we'd have no problems in life, right? I mean, if everybody was a servant, we would never have contention. There would never be strife in any marriage if both partners were always serving one another. There would never be strife in the home if every child had an attitude of service, if every parent had an attitude of a spirit of service. There would never be a problem in the schools if every student had an attitude of serving and if the teacher had an attitude of service and if the principal had an attitude of service. There would never be a problem in the business world if the boss had an attitude of service towards his employee and if the employee had an attitude of service towards the employer. But today... I believe we need help in all these areas, do not we? Jesus Christ, the greatest example of all time, his nature, his desires were all towards service. And in this day when so many things are pulling us apart, we need the grace of God and the heart of God to stay together and to serve together. I have enjoyed contacting pastors, and we invited 23 to this appreciation luncheon, and uh, we're going to do it. We moved it up. You don't do it on opening day of hunting, okay? That's not a smart idea. I said the 24th, and I changed that um, because a couple of them I know are hunters, along with myself. And uh, so we said, don't mess that day up. So we moved it to the 17th, which is actually this Saturday. And we're, we have several who have committed to come. And uh, several uh, contacted us back, and several were also dealing with funerals. You know, thank God we haven't had to deal with one of those. Amen? But some of them had funerals they had to attend. They're going to have to attend this Saturday. One of them contacted me yesterday, dear man, he said, I'm sorry to inform you, but my pastor is no longer here. Now, I tried to research the churches well enough to figure out if the pastor was there or not, but uh, the pastor's name was on the website, his picture's on the website, and then I read in fine print after he called me, and I saw the pastor resigned July 31st, he's gone, okay? And so, one of the deacons called me, and uh, he asked me to pray for their church without a pastor. And, and going through a difficult time, and he was discouraged. And we had a good time on the phone talking. And I tell you, we need the grace of God to stick it out this time, to be faithful. And uh, the reason we're doing this appreciation for the pastors in the area uh, is because many of them are discouraged and struggling right now. We're trying to be an encouragement to others. If you look at Matthew as well, a, a parallel text, Matthew chapter 20, we're going to look there before we dig into this passage this morning. Matthew, if you join me in chapter 20, in verse 16. I don't know if you've heard a sermon before in your life, but uh, that maybe went like this. It was one verse, and then it was a bunch of thoughts, okay? We want to have the message be primarily the Word of God, and less of my thoughts and more of His thoughts. Matthew chapter 20, in verse 16. Jesus said, so the last shall be, called, shall be first, and the first last, for many be called, but few are few chosen. And Jesus, going up to Jerusalem, took the twelve disciples apart in the way and said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be betrayed into the hands of the chief priests and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death, and shall deliver him to the Gentiles to mock, and to scourge, and to crucify him, and the third day he shall rise again. Then came to him the mother of Zebedee's children with her sons, worshipping him and desiring a certain thing of him. 
Isn't it interesting? Jesus said right in the early part, the last shall be first and the first last. He was talking about a servant's heart. Okay? He's talking about he's going to die. And then let's look at what happens next. The mother of James and John, she says, and Jesus said to her, What wilt thou? She said unto him, Now mind it, Jesus just said he's going to die as the substitute for all of our sins. And here's the heart of one of the, one of the two of the disciples' mother. She said, Grant thee that my two sons may sit, the one on thy right hand and the other on thy left in thy kingdom. Wow. Jesus has just said, I'm going to die for all of your sins. And then two of his disciples, their mother comes and says, Well, by the way, Lord, my two boys right here, out of all the millions and millions of people in the world, would you let those two boys stand beside you on either side of your kingdom? I mean, what a request. What a prideful request. What a selfish request. What a lack of a servant spirit. Jesus answered and said unto her, Ye know not what ye ask. Now Jesus was very polite. He, did. he said, You don't know what you're asking he said, Are you able to drink of the cup that I shall drink of and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? So he's speaking of his death. They said to him, We are able. And he said to them, You shall indeed drink of my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared of my father. And when the ten heard it, they were moved with indignation against the two brethren. So the other ten disciples get mad. <laughs> they say, Oh, Maybe these two are going to get promoted. And Jesus called them unto him and said, Ye know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them. They that are great exercise authority upon them, but it shall not be among, so among you. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. Whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. I love the example of Jesus. You look at this text, you see Jesus served even when it hurts. And I thank God for the life of Jesus Christ. When I think of uh, the sacrifice that has been made down through the ages, and I think of people who have sacrificed, I think of a man named Watchman Nee. He was a missionary to China. He was born on November 4th of 1903. In his book, Watchman Nee describes a preaching mission on the island off South China. He described that there were seven in his group, seven people serving in China. Some of you may be familiar with this story, but most of you, I'm sure, have never heard this story. There was a 16-year-old young man who had just gotten saved. His name was Brother Wu. And the island was fairly large. It had 16, uh, or sorry, 6,000 homes. Watchman Nee had a friend there, an old schoolmate, who was the headmaster in the village. And he went there and tried to find lodging, but... When the friend found out that they were coming there to preach the gospel, the man said, you can't stay in my house. Go somewhere else. And God provided them a place to stay. They find, found lodging with a Chinese herbalist who became their first convert. Preaching became quite, seemed quite fruitless on the island. But Watchman Nee soon discovered it was because the people were dedicated to a certain idol called Tawong. They were convinced of the power of this idol because every day, when it was the day to worship this idol, it would not rain. It was a beautiful day. Every single time it was this day to worship this idol. And so, you know what the people asked? When is the procession this year? Young Wu, this 16-year-old young man. 
that had gathered to hear them preach. He said, when is, when, is the, when is the procession? They said, it's going to be January 11th at 8 in the morning. Then the new convert, this 16-year-old young man full of faith, said, I promise you, it will certainly rain on the 11th. There was an outburst of cries from the crowd. They said, it's enough. We don't want to hear any more preaching. If there's rain on the 11th, though, your God is the God. Watchman Nee had been elsewhere when he heard this, uh, when this confrontation had taken place. And when he, re when he returned, he called the group to serious prayer. On the morning of the 11th, there was not a cloud in the sky. But during grace for breakfast, sprinkles began to fall. And they were followed by heavy rain. The worshippers of the Isle to Wong were so upset that they had to put the idol on a sedan, sedan chair and they had to carry it outdoors. And they, they carried it outdoors hoping it would stop the rain, but the rain increased and the idol fell and broke and fractured its jaw and left arm. A number of young people, however, turned to Christ as a result of the rain coming in answer to prayer. But the elders of the village made divination and said it was the wrong day, so they picked another day. They picked the 14th and they tried again. Over the next few days, God gave them clear days for preaching, and there were 30 people that got saved. When the 14th arrived, another perfect day was there. As the evening approached, they met at the appointed hour and quietly brought the matter to prayer. Not a minute later, the answer came with torrential rain. The power over the idol was broken, and believing prayer had brought great victory. Conversions followed, and the impact upon the servants of God, who had witnessed his power, would continue to enrich their Christian service from time and time again. Jesus had the art of heart of service. He came to minister, not to be ministered unto. And I thank God for his example. I thank God for the example of this young man, Watchman Nee, who served the Lord, who gave his life to prayer, and who saw the power of God descend upon his life. I thank God for how he has poured out his power in our lives in recent days. And I believe when I read the life of Jesus, it continually speaks to me about how I need to be a servant like Jesus. And there's a lot of ways I do not measure up and a lot of ways I need to grow. Every time I look, I look at the way he served, I, I see how I fall short and I need, I need grace to be like my master. This morning I want to give you a couple thoughts about serving like Jesus served. And the first thought is this. Serving is rewarding. Serving is rewarding. Jesus said, I am among you as he that doth serve. You say, that kind of sounds rough. You're just the servant boy. No. Luke chapter 15 tells us a great truth. Luke 15, about serving. Let's look there. Luke 15 in verse 7. The Bible tells us what happens in heaven as a result of service on earth. Luke 15, the Bible says in verse 7, Speaking of this part of serving, I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth, more than over, look at this, ninety and nine just persons which have no need of repentance. Either what woman, having ten pieces of silver, she lose one piece, doth not light a candle, sweep the house, and seek diligently till she find it. When she had found it, she called her friends and her neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me. For I have found the peace which I had lost. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. One sinner that repenteth. Serving is rewarding. You say, what's so rewarding about it? 
It's rewarding to see when one soul comes and puts their trust in Jesus Christ. It's rewarding to see when one person turns from their sins to the Savior. I get excited when somebody gets saved. I don't know about you. It excites me when somebody turns from their sins to the Savior. I think of these last three years. It's just been three, three short, short years we've been together here, right? A short time. But there's one thing that brings me joy. You say, what brings you joy? It's the lives that have been helped and changed. The lives have been helped and changed. It doesn't mean that they don't always stay. But if they got help while they were here, it was worth it. All right? It's a heart of selfishness that holds on to people when God may be leading them on. Uh, one thing that brings me joy is seeing the people who have been delivered from sin. In, in these years of being able to minister in the prison, I personally got to lead eight men to Christ. That's a joy. Eight times seeing a man bow his head and trust Christ. I can't go into prison right now. But you know what? It brings me joy when I think back on the years that I have been able to help in the prison. It brings me great joy. Eight men getting saved. You say, was it worth it for eight men to get saved? Yes, it was. And by supporting your pastor, you have had a part in that. Our vacation Bible schools, we've seen many young children make decisions for Christ. Although we were unable to do the VBS this year um, for certain restrictions, yet we thank God we've had opportunity for several years to see children come into this place and find hope and make good decisions for Christ. And as a result of that, many of those children started reading their Bibles and started coming to church. And for many of them, it was the first time in their life that they ever had picked up a Bible and began to read it. And things began to change in their lives. God brought conviction into our lives. And four adults have been saved over the last three years of this church. You know, it's rare that a church ever sees adults saved. The evangelist was telling me, he said, it's rare that I ever get to see an adult get saved in church. He said, it's usually kids and teenagers that get saved. Because adults are too hardened to the gospel. We thank God four adults have trusted Christ over the last three years. That's exciting. You say, serving is rewarding. It's exciting when somebody gets saved. It's exciting. Several of you have seen your family and friends visit church. And that's been exciting. You've seen a personal invitation be rewarded by somebody showing up. And it's brought you great joy. And it's brought me great joy seeing that God used you to bring somebody to Christ. Bring somebody to the house of God. And I thank God for everyone who has been an inviter. May God bless you for doing that. And may you continue to do that. Serving is rewarding. Several have come in here dealing with great and deep drug addictions. God has given them victory through obedience to the preached word of God. You say, is it worth it? Absolutely. It is absolutely worth it. And there's several of our missionaries who right now are ministering to people. One of our missionaries, in Brother Harmon, over in Tanzania, uh, he is, I think I said that right, in Tanzania, yes. Uh, he is right now ministering with several drug addicts on his property. And you know what? Uh, some of them, they run away, and then he goes and gets them, brings them back, run away. He goes and gets them and brings them back. And uh, thank God that he actually got permission from the local police to have the person committed like custody to his charge and so that he can help this person get victory over, over their deep uh, uh, addictions that have been uh, controlling their life, destroying their marriage, and dividing their home. God has given a victory. We thank God for that. We thank God for the part we've had. And your giving to missions has had a part in that and in many other missionaries in their work. 
Some have found financial freedom by learning to handle money God's way. Serving is rewarding. And in Luke, we read of the serving being rewarding because we say, there is, it says there's more joy in heaven over one sinner that repenteth, more than over 99 just persons. You know, if we were to describe one problem with Christianity in America, it is this. We are a self-righteous bunch of Pharisees. All right? Um, there are too many dear folks that, that profess the name of Christ in this Christian nation who know all the lingo, and all they'll do is just blast everybody on Facebook. But they themselves don't serve. <laughs> and, 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 and the crazy thing is that many Christians will take the time They'll say, claim to be a Christian, take the time to type out a nasty message about something and post it online, barf it up about something about Christians, and then they will turn around and their lost loved ones that are not yet saved read that and say, yep, that's why I don't go to church. And I'm like, you just ruined it for your lost loved one, okay? You say, are Christians imperfect? We are all imperfect. But blasting it on the internet ain't helping anything. And uh, we thank God for those who have been faithful in their service to Christ. Let me ask you how many sinners have been saved because you led them to Christ. How many sinners in competition? But would you just think about it and would you say, Lord, would you help me right now? Lord, would you give me a passion? I want to, before my life ends, I want to see one person trust Jesus because I shared Christ with them. I gave them the hope of the gospel, and the Lord used me to break one soul of the kingdom. I want some fruit to abound to my account. Serving is rewarding. And see, we can be one of the just persons, okay? And the Bible says that the angels in heaven do not rejoice over just those 99 just people as much as they rejoice over the one that gets saved. And see, there's too much boasting today of, well, I'm a good person. I do things well. But what shall the prophet of man to gain the whole world and lose his own soul? I heard of a father. His name is Brad. And during this pandemic, his son, during the quarantine, son was only 12 years old. Son had a, had a TV they bought for him for gaming. Son was very excited about that. The son's name was um, um, Hayden. And Hayden was very excited about that TV that his parents had bought him. But one day, in a moment of rage and anger, that child threw his TV remote, his, his uh, little gaming controller, at the TV and broke the screen. He was so disappointed and upset. He worked hard. He earned another one in the middle of the quarantine and everything. His parents got him a new one. Just three days before his birthday, however, the young man, only 12 years old, in a moment of anger or something, threw the thing again at his TV and broke it. And he was so upset, just three days before his birthday, that he went into his closet and hung himself. Social isolation took that young man's life. And when I heard that story, it's a viral video if you just look up the young man, Hayden, his dad's Brad. His dad is a wonderful business, and they have a wonderful family. But you know what? The dad's trying to raise awareness, and trying to help other families, and trying to be a blessing. I thank God for that. But you know what? One life is important to Christ. One life. And there are people that are suffering right now. And uh, people that need Jesus right now. People that need hope right now. And I tell you, serving is rewarding. And I thank God for that dad who said, you know what? Now I'm going to try in whatever way I can. 
He's trying to raise suicide awareness and things, but he's going to try to help other kids. That child didn't have any signs of being suicidal. But the child literally killed himself in his own closet. It's tragic. Tragic. Young man, almost 13 years old. And you say, well, that's a very sad story. Yes. My friend, if we can take one person and we can be a part in helping one person find hope in Jesus Christ, it's worth your life. What shall it profit a man? And this dear, the dear dad, we thank God for him. And the man has a very successful business. But you know what? He wants his son back, but he can't get his son back. You know what? We, he, he says, this is he encouraged people, make sure you have heart-to-heart -heart conversations with your kids. Looking back on it, he says, I just wish I would have talked more with my son. May God help us to care more about people than we do about ourselves. We haven't really done much in life until we've learned how to bring another soul to Jesus Christ. I'll say that again. We haven't really done much in life until we've learned how to bring another soul to Jesus Christ. It's something that has to be caught, not just taught. Many of you in the room, maybe you've even earned a Bible degree. That's fantastic. But may I challenge you with this, before you aspire to teach, before you aspire to lead a ministry, would you go make a friend and bring the friend to Jesus? Would you be the one that brings someone to the Savior? You know what makes you a crusty Christian is when you haven't brought somebody to Jesus Christ. But when you bring somebody to Christ, and you bring somebody in, just like a little child, they need help, okay? And, and you bring somebody into the, to the faith in Christ, and they got a lot of questions. They need hope. They need help. And you help them, and you take care of them. You know what? You'll be so distracted by that, you won't be able to be focused on all the other things. And one of the problems, I think, in America today is that many who profess faith in Christ have never led a soul to Christ, and they only have fire insurance in faith in Christ. That's all they got. they got a fire insurance policy. And uh, there's no desire, there's no passion to bring somebody else to the Savior. And because of that, there's no joy. Because serving is rewarding. And if you don't get in the business of winning souls, God help us. We're not about the king's business. We haven't done much in life till we've learned how to bring another soul to Christ. Would you be the one that brings someone to the Savior? It would bring more joy to you to bring somebody to Jesus Christ than all the many years that you could serve cleaning, all the many years that you could serve teaching, all the many years that you could serve serving in a nursery, all the many years that you could serve even mowing the grass, my friend. We can't, there's no substitute for impacting a life with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Impacting a life for Christ. Serving is rewarding. We ought to do the other things. Absolutely. We ought to serve. Clean our help. But that's not the primary thing. The primary thing is that we bring souls to Jesus Christ. There's joy in heaven over one sinner that repenteth. I thank God for that. The angels in heaven who have been rejoicing over souls that have been saved in this place. And my friend, may, may God help us to see more souls saved in this place. And it will happen when we get the heart of Jesus, the heart of service. Serving is rewarding. Also, serving infuses relationships. Serving infuses relationships. I'd like us to go back to our key verse uh, where we started this morning, Luke 22, 27. I'd like you to look at that key phrase. But I am among you, Jesus says, as he that serveth. Jesus says, I am among you. He doesn't say, I'm off alone in social isolation as one that serveth. I'm off in the desert meeting with my Father as the one that serves. Now, he did all that, all right? But Jesus got out and got among people, got involved in people's lives, and look, 
There's been different ways you have to be creative right now about trying to meet people, but I have made, I was just counting through them, during this quarantine, at least 30 new relationships. People that I see on a weekly basis, at least 30 new people. And you've got to find ways to meet people. And I tell you, I made more friends during this time of quarantine, more people that I've been able to build relationships with, than I probably made in all the many months of going out door to door inviting people to church. Because these are people that are in the community that I personally see on a weekly basis. Okay? Make relationships with new people. Jesus says, I am among you as he that serves. Serving infuses relationships. It's like bringing life into the relationship. Do you ever wonder why relationships die? Do you ever wonder, man, it just doesn't make sense. Why do relationships die? I don't understand. Relationships die because there's a lack of service on one or on both parts. Relationships die because there's a lack of service. It's hard to serve without being among the believers. Jesus says, I am among you as he that serveth. Among you. Right now, without exception. Uh, I have Christian friends all around the world and around this United States and without exception, many of them have chosen to not come to church, okay? Because they just, that was their choice, okay? And they chose to not come to church. Secretly, though, they were hoping, many of my friends, secretly they were hoping that somebody would serve them. They were secretly hoping somebody would reach out and serve them. You know what? If you look at the Bible, back in Luke 15, what did Jesus say? There's more joy in heaven over one Sinner that repented, more than 99 just persons that have no need of repentance. Um, the 99 often have a heart of, I wish somebody would just take care of me, care about me, write me a note, do something thoughtful for me. And yes, we should do that for everybody, but you know, it is kind, you, you're going to miss one of the 99, okay? You're just going to. It's part of life. If you try to minister to every single person you know, you're going to miss one of them, okay? You're just going to forget about somebody. You're gonna, they're going to pass by the wayside. You're going to accidentally miss them, okay? And so uh, my, many of my friends right now are upset. Not at me, thank God. Uh, they don't go to the church. They're, they're upset at their pastor or their place. They say, well, nobody ever reached out to me. And I say, well, you, were, you went eight months without even going to church, okay? And now you upset at the church because they didn't minister to you. Uh, maybe your pastor was really discouraged. Maybe have you ever thought about that? Maybe that all the people that used to help serving and go and minister, maybe they weren't around because they were worried about things too, like you were according to your home. And maybe they just didn't get to do what they wanted to do towards you, and they really don't have a heart of hatred. They just didn't get to do it. Maybe you fell through the cracks, and it was accidental, and maybe just don't get so bitter about it so quick. And uh, several of them have contacted my wife and I, people that we've known for many years. They said, I'll probably never go back to church again. You say, that's not the heart of Jesus. And you know what their problem was? They said, well, nobody wrote me a note. Nobody came over and helped me when it was time to move. You know how hard it is to find people to help you move, okay? <laughs> it's just a problem of life, all right? I usually have to pay people to help me move, okay? Um, just part of life, okay? So serving infuses relationships but there's a heart sometimes that says, I want to be served instead of to serve. And that is detrimental to the work of God. 
Okay? It destroys the work of God. Secretly hoping somebody will send me a thoughtful note. Somebody will invite me back. Somebody will offer to help me when I need help. But what did Jesus say? He said, I am among you as he that serveth. The reality is who distanced themselves from who? Who separated themselves from who? Uh, look, we've been here. Many of you have been here. Uh, for, for all the services, we've sought to contact people in tangible ways. You're trying to reach out to your friends. And many who have been distant have tried to reach back. And that is wonderful. But the reality is that I know, my wife knows, many of you who are faithful here know this, we're going to have to go get new people. All right? You've got to keep reaching new people. All right? That's the reality. You have to keep reaching new people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Serving infuses relationships. Jesus said, I am among you as he that doth serve. Jesus was among, Jesus was serving, but Jesus still had John 6, 66 happen to him where there was a point where all, of his, all those who were following left. And Jesus asked his disciples, are you going to leave too? Jesus' ministry dropped back to 12, and you could say his ministry was a failure at that point. But I thank God Jesus didn't stop, and neither should you and I. Serving infuses relationships. Look, we choose who we're going to trust. And uh, everybody has a right to trust whatever source of information they would like to trust. But let's all be reminded, it's impossible to serve two masters. When the world has our heart, the heart of service has been lost. And as the church sign says out there, faith and fear cannot coexist in the same heart. Faith and fear cannot coexist in the same heart. Does that mean we need to be foolish? No. Does that mean uh, we need to be uh, irresponsible? No. But faith and fear cannot coexist in the same heart. And we ought to have a heart that says, you know what? I'm going to love the Lord with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I'm going to serve others as the Lord has called me to do. See, uh, there's this expectation by some of my friends. They say, you know what? I, just, I expect they've abandoned the house of God for eight months. They come back and they say, I expect it to be just run like a government institution. And they come in and they're surprised. They said, well, they're surprised it wasn't run like a government institution. Well, um, heart of service has been lost. Heart of service has been lost. The reality is the relationship of service can often be a one-way street. And Jesus, he was giving and giving and giving. And you know what? Even to the end, what happened? When Jesus is dying on the cross, do his disciples come up and say, Lord, we love you. Let us die with you too. No, what do they do? They all run away. They all disappear. They depart. They betray him. They deny him. But yet Jesus died for our sins. And I thank God that after he arose from the dead, those disciples came together. And yes, they were missing one who had betrayed him. They were missing one who had hung himself. But I thank God those 11 came together. And that group grew to 500. And on the day of Pentecost, after they had waited for the power of the Holy Spirit of God, 3,000 were saved. And I believe it was well worth the wait. And I believe it was well worth the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. I am among you as he that serveth. His disciples didn't understand until after he had died and gone to heaven what, what it really all meant, the service to Jesus Christ. And for all who will stay, for all who will be faithful to Christ during this time, the relationship of service will be reciprocal. It means you will be serving if you're going to you're going to stay around the things of God right now, you're going to be contributing. You're going to be also receiving. It's a two-way relationship, 
And uh, many people have been such an encouragement during this time, even though maybe they live in another state and they can't come to church. Maybe they, maybe they just are dealing with certain health conditions and they cannot come, but there are many people. There's one dear lady who lives out in California whom we know. And this lady uh, is part of a mega church, and you know what? I don't blame her for not going to church right now, okay? It's a mega church, all right? And she has some pre-existing conditions. But you know what she does? She watches our service because we sing the old hymns, and uh, she loves the old hymns. And then she's been recently watching the messages, and she'll leave a kind comment, kind word, almost every week. And, uh, you know, she's a source of encouragement and blessing. Even though she's afar, you know that she's trying to connect and trying to be part. And you know what? We're able to have a little bit of a relationship back. It's a reciprocal relationship, even from a distance. You can connect from a distance. It's not the same as in person. But that relationship has to be reciprocal if it's going to continue. And uh, many, many folks who live in this area, several have decided, you know what, I'm going to be reciprocal in that relationship. Even though I may not be able to attend, I'm going to be reciprocal in that relationship. And because that relationship is reciprocal, the relationship continues to be infused. Serving infuses relationships. Serving infuses relationships. So, how can we serve? Senator, how can I serve? How can I be like Jesus? A couple of simple thoughts for you this morning about how to serve. First, it's going to be so simple, you're going to love it. You ready? Stay in the Word. Stay in the Word. Psalms 1, how do we grow? Meditating on the Word. The more you meditate on the Word, the stronger you will be as a Christian. You'll be more quick to forgive. You'll be more quick to love. You'll be more quick to share the gospel. Stay in the Word. Jesus was full of the Word of God. How do I serve? You say, I want to do this and that. I wish I could do this and that. Quit wishing to do this and that. Stay in the Word. When the more you're infused with the Word, the more it'll come out. What goes in comes out. Stay in the Word. What's another thing we can do? Say this is really simple. It's going to get more complicated in just a second. But stay in prayer. We can't forget the basics if we're going to do the others, okay? Now, I was part of a program, Christian homeschool program, called uh, ATI. And every time you'd go to the big convention, 10,000 people, 20,000 people, we would hear all these steps on how to fix every problem in our life. And I'm telling you, it was great stuff. But you'd leave and go home, and you had 55 things you're supposed to do, and you forget them, okay? I'm going to give you some really simple things, because I think we, we are simple people. We need simple help, okay? And I need simple things to be reminded of, because often we can try to do other things for getting the basic foundational components to keep our life strong. Stay in the Word, stay in prayer. Especially, pray for those who serve you. Even if you don't feel that close to them, pray for them. It's amazing how when I pray for people who attend this church, how I feel closer to them, even though I may not be able to talk with them much. Okay, so we stay in the Word and stay in prayer. He says it's really simple. It is really simple. Now here, here's another one. Find creative ways to spend time with those who serve. Find creative ways to spend time with others who serve. Many folks right now uh, who maybe do not feel comfortable going to church, when I meet up with them, they will tell me stories of how they go meet up with their friends and go on hikes with their friends. And I think, well, am I your friend too? Okay. It's great. I'm glad you go for it, spend, spend time with these people, but why don't you... Spend time with those people and also maybe encourage them to watch the live service with you. Uh, why don't you find some way to encourage them to also, and sadly, in many cases, there's a distance, okay? So find creative ways to spend time 
with those who serve. One of the greatest ways we can serve others is by companionship. What did Jesus do? He invested time in people. Now, I'll tell you, uh, the best time to talk with me and fellowship with me is usually not, not right here in the building, okay? Because right here in the building, I'm trying to take a few minutes with everybody, but I can't take a ton of time with everybody, okay? And so a few minutes, yes, but we want to spend time. We can do something like dinner together. We can do something like uh, going and doing some activity together, and we do things like that throughout the week with people when we can, okay? So serving involves finding creative ways to spend time with those who serve. You want to be like Jesus. He said, I'm among you as he that serveth. It's amazing. You sit down and spend time with somebody in a creative setting, all right? And you'll build a relationship and you learn things about them and you get to work together on things. Um, just the fact and the reality of having young children and having raised these children every Sunday in church, so there's a reality the reality is they have to be fed or something has to do, be happen right before church so that they can behave in church and then they have to be taken care of. And then right after church, usually they get hungry and they need to be fed. And so these are realities and it's part of life. And so fellowshipping around church isn't always practical, especially with younger children. Most of my friends who have younger children, they tell me that they need to get right home after church because of their children. So find creative ways to spend time with those who serve, okay? So we stay in the Word. How do we serve? Staying in the Word, staying in prayer, and finding creative ways to spend time, okay? It's creative ways. Also, here's a fourth thing. Ready? It's really simple. Write thoughtful notes. Write thoughtful notes. There is a man who visited our church one time several years ago, and I still receive handwritten personal notes from him. He visited one time. We disagree politically. Uh, we don't have much in common. I invited him out to, uh, to breakfast one time, and we, we talked a little bit. And that's really pretty much our only interactions, and I haven't seen him since. But he writes notes, and we talk, and we communicate, okay? Um, so the relationship has to be reciprocal, and you say, what can we do? Write thoughtful notes. Uh, there are several folks online doing that. And being an encouragement. Words of encouragement are like drops of fresh water. You say, how can I help the church go forward? Just say a word of encouragement, and it'll help, uh, it'll help the work go forward. Encourage somebody else. Find something kind to say to somebody else in this room before you leave today. Uh, when we go on vacation, uh, my wife knows this happens every time. I grab a stack of cards and a stack of stamps and a pen and the addresses of everybody that I, that I know and, and I, that I can think of to write a note to. And one thing I do, because I learned it from my college professors, is I write notes to people while I'm on vacation. And uh, that's, that's a fun thing. It's something different. I try to do it early in the week so the cards arrive before I get back. doesn't always work that way, but it's something I try to do. And uh, if I missed you last time, we'll try to get it this time. I might not have your address or something. But we try to write everybody a note while we're on vacation. Something thoughtful to do, okay? Uh, I struggle personally writing notes because my penmanship is absolutely atrocious, okay? It's horrible, absolutely horrible. And uh, I mix up with dyslexia, I mix up my letters still to the today. I'll be writing along and I'll put the wrong letter and I'll have to start all over again or I might just cross it out and send it to you and that, that's what you get, okay? You get a scribbly note because I really struggle with my penmanship. And so um, uh, th to this day, my wife and I still get notes of encouragement by two of our college professors and this is something that really sticks out to me. 
These men, Dr. Getch and Dr. Rasmussen, have trained thousands of young people in three different Christian colleges, but I still get, I've gotten two or three notes from each of them since we've arrived here. We've only been here three years. I've gotten two notes at least from each of them, or, or two or three texts. So they, each of them has reached out to us on an annual basis, and they have thousands of students that they have taught, and I do believe that they seek to do that with everybody. When I was a student, they wrote me a personal note. 1,500 students on the college campus at the time, and I would get a personal postcard when Dr. Getch was out traveling around on tour, I'd get a personal handwritten postcard, and it was something very thoughtful and meaningful. At that time, I was headed into the Spanish ministry. He knew about that. He would write something thoughtful and meaningful to that end. Those things, people that have impacted my life and helped me, encouraged me, and those things have been a blessing. And I tell you, anybody that's written you a note, you've always, uh, many, many of you maybe enjoy getting handwritten notes. What a blessing. What can we do? How can we serve? We can write thoughtful notes. Fifthly, how can we serve? Last thought this morning. It ties in with the message. We can bring our friends to Jesus. Jesus said, I am among you as he that serveth. In order to be among them, there had to be people there. And Jesus, we know, the great master teacher, brought people in. Remember, he had the 5,000. What did he do? He had a special time, and he brought the child up and had the child sit with him. He had a special time. He tried to minister to people personally. And I believe that if we are going to be like Jesus, we need to bring our friends to Jesus. And many of you have done that. You've even done that maybe today. Bringing your friends to the house of God. What a wonderful, encouraging thing. Bringing our friends to Jesus. That's what we want to do. So this serving infuses our relationship. This serving is something that's rewarding. Because why? The angels in heaven are rejoicing over one sinner that repented. We thank God for the sinners who have repented in this place. Let us have the heart of Jesus, the heart of service. May we take this truth. May we take it home with us. But I am among you as he that serveth. Jesus was focused on being the servant. And no wonder God used him in such a great way. I love what John said in John 3.33. He must increase... I must decrease. John 3, I believe, verse 30. He must increase, I must decrease. And ought to be our heart. Lord, help me to let you increase so that I can decrease, so I can be a better servant for the cause of Jesus Christ. Let's bow our heads for prayer this morning. Take a moment to respond to the Lord. In our invitation, I'm going to invite you to do several things. First, I'm going to invite you to just stand together with me, and right where you're at in your seat, to just stand together and we'll stand and and in a moment here, we're going to have an opportunity to pray, to respond to the Lord. I invite you to stand with me in a moment. The piano is going to play. Dear Lord, we ask that you administer grace to every heart in the room. To those that are listening online, you administer grace to them. You would help us to be like Jesus. That our thoughts, our actions, our words, our deeds would all be pleasing in your sight. Lord, I pray that you would help us to have a heart of service. I am among you, Jesus said, as he that doth serve. Help us to do thoughtful things to impact the work of God for generations to come. Lord, help us to be a part of bringing in somebody else who will be a future leader in the work of God. Somebody else that we might bring in who would surrender to missions and who would become a missionary giving their life for the cause of Jesus Christ. Help us to have that heart 
of service. And Lord, I pray that you would bless every person in the room this morning as we seek to respond to you. In Christ's name we do pray. Your heads bowed and eyes closed as you're standing there. I invite you to do business with the Lord. In just a moment, the piano will play. But while you're there, and I want to take a moment just to thank each of you watching online. Thank you for watching online. We'll close out the online service at this time. And uh, thank you so much for watching live. I hope you'll come back and watch live also on Wednesday night at 7. Thank you for being a part of our service today. But for us who are right here in the room, would you take a moment, and as the piano begins to play, would you just right there recommit yourself to the Lord?